This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Guess what, Will? What's that, Mango? So I love invented games, like the idea of things like Whirly Ball, which is just like lacrosse played from bumper cars or elephant polo. But my new obsession is Hoover Ball. Like President Hoover? Yeah, apparently Hoover's physician told him he needed to lose weight and be more fit. So they designed this game that's like tennis meets volleyball, but is played with a medicine ball. <laughs> it actually sounds really fun. You can only do certain types of throws from certain places on the court, and players actually get sent out of the game for making errors in how they catch the ball. But as I was reading up on Hoover and how addicted he was to the sport, like, he played it every single morning with his medicine ball cabinet, and he only canceled the game once. <laughs> well, it made me wonder about American presidents and what their weird hobbies are. I mean, none of my American history textbooks had any mention of Hoover Ball. Yeah, mine either. But what else don't we know about presidents, and what juicy, ridiculous secrets are they hiding? And that's what today's show is all about. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hatsikader. And today, we're talking about president. Because the president isn't someone we talk about enough these days, right? You know, I feel like I've seen him in the news recently. Like, he said a few things and done a few things recently. <laughs> a couple. And a few of those things have been a little strange, don't you think? I mean, maybe just a little. But here's the thing. I think the number of odd things we're hearing and seeing these days are making us forget just how weird many of our past presidents were, and we should appreciate them for it. So that's what I want to talk about. I think we should give people a little break from hearing about our current leader of the free world and talk about the weird personalities who've occupied this office in the past. You know, you and I have been revisiting one of our favorite books about the presidents, Cormac O'Brien's Secret Lives of the U.S. Presidents. And I know there's a ton of fascinating stuff in there, too. So let's talk history. That's a great idea. And I think we should tell our listeners about our big plan. Uh, are you sure? I mean, why not? 
Uh, okay. So, uh, listeners, a few months back, Will and I discovered a piece of property located on a mountainside. And on that mountainside, we noticed a rock that looked so much like our eighth president, Martin Van Buren. Mm-hmm. And side note, he was the only U.S. president who learned English as a second language. That's right. His first language was Dutch. And it's crazy how much this rock looked like him, though. <laughs> you know, with the eyes and the nose and the hair, it was just striking. Almost scary. So we thought, it's been 90 years since construction on Mount Rushmore started, and Mount Rushmore is so far from where we are in Atlanta, we really need another mountain with the faces of former presidents carved into it. So let's figure this out. And wouldn't you know it, that property's for sale. Now, we can't tell you guys where it is because we don't want anyone else to beat us to this idea. How no one else has noticed the face of old Marty VB in that mountain, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, we really need to act quickly. But first, we've got to decide whose faces are going to be in this mountain. I feel like it shouldn't be as generic as great presidents. Yeah. Speaking of which, while I was doing a little research on our competition, I learned that Mount Rushmore was originally supposed to be just Washington and Lincoln. It was only once they started working on it that they decided to add Thomas Jefferson and Teddy Roosevelt because they wanted to create a manifest destiny theme. You know, it's that idea that the U.S. and its settlers were destined to expand across the continent. Which I guess plays well into the fact that Rushmore was basically built to lure a new breed of car-bound tourists. Totally. By the way, did you know in 1937, Congress briefly toyed with adding Susan B. Anthony into the mix? No, I didn't. Anyway, I think our monument needs to be something much more specific and weird, especially if we're going to work old M. Van B.'s face on there. Now, while I agree, I don't want to commit to having the Martinator in this mountain just yet. But I definitely think we should have a strange and memorable theme to it. Okay, I think we can agree we're on the same page. Let's talk themes. What are you thinking? Well, I have a few ideas, and I know you do too. But if we're considering including Vanny B, (laughs) now is it okay to call Martin Van Buren Vanny B? Definitely. But if we're considering Vanny B, I think we should have a wall of presidents who believed in the weirdest health remedies. I'd say that's pretty specific. But I can already see the sponsorship angles from kombucha companies and uh, Big Ginkgo. Right. Okay, hit me with it. What's Van Buren's info? Well, it turns out old Marty was dealing with some pretty chronic stomach issues. And many scholars think his health declined because of the Panic of 1837, which was the economic recession that lasted the better part of a decade or so. Hmm. So in order to give his stomach some relief, he decided for some reason to mix up a soothing elixir of soot, charcoal, and water. (laughs) Your mom never gave you chimney water to settle your (laughs) (laughs) tum-tum? I mean, if you had an irritable stomach to begin with, I can't imagine what this mixture would do. It's hard to imagine it helped at all. Yeah, it does not sound tasty. But I like this unusual health remedies idea. I've got one to add to it. Old Vaseline head himself, Calvin Coolidge. Vaseline head? I always thought Calvin Coolidge was so boring and that the most interesting part about him was his pranks, which were also boring. Right. Like in the White House, he used to ring the buzzer for the maids and ushers to come and then run away or gleefully hide for them, <laughs> which just kind of makes him sound like an idiot, yeah, right? It does. <laughs> but Coolidge was so much weirder than that. Apparently, he enjoyed having petroleum jelly rubbed all over his head every morning while he enjoyed his breakfast in bed. I don't know exactly why he thought this was a good idea for his health, but he did. Lord, that's weird. It's it's an excellent addition. All right, so let's stick with that one. And then I think we should include John Quincy Adams for his love of ice baths and skinny dipping. Hmm. He would apparently take these 5 a.m. naked swims as a way to relieve stress. And this wasn't exactly secret. Journalist Ann Royal reportedly landed a big interview with John Quincy Adams by hiding his clothes after he got in the water. She then refused to give them back until he answered her questions, which, of course, he did. That's brilliant. I know, you can't imagine a reporter getting that sort of access to a president these days. Of course, he wasn't our only president who liked ice baths. 
Thomas Jefferson did too, at least for his feet. And he claimed these <laughs> daily cold foot baths, which he did for six decades, were the main reason he lived into his 80s. And I know he's already on Rushmore, but that's pretty good, right? Definitely. Let's keep him in the mix. I think that's a solid foursome. Van Buren, Coolidge, John Quincy Adams, and Jefferson. I'd put my kids in a station wagon and drive them to see those weirdos. All right. So that's one option. Now, what were you thinking we should do with this mountain? Well, sticking with this idea of shaky or non-existent science, let's jump to 20th century presidents and a slightly different category. Presidents with superstitious or supernatural beliefs. All right. Okay. So who do you have in mind? For me, the most surprising superstitious president was FDR. I'm not sure why, but I think of him as a dealmaker and a pretty reasonable president. But he had some big quirks. He wouldn't sit at a table set for 13. He refused to begin a trip on a Friday. And he wouldn't light three cigarettes off the same match. But as Cormac O'Brien points out, after FDR died, the funeral train that carried his body from Georgia, it started its journey on Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. Well, he was pretty superstitious. So as a side note, I was thinking about how much things have changed in terms of interaction between the president and the press since FDR's time in office. It's just so strange to think that he had this gentleman's agreement with the press that they wouldn't photograph him in his wheelchair and they were okay with it. It's funny. I'd read that a lot as well, this kind of romanticized view of the press. But Matthew Pressman, a professor and journalist, studied this and found that FDR's disabilities were actually written about quite a lot. There were New York Times mentions of the ramps he'd put up for access at the White House or how Roosevelt would tool around Hyde Park in his chair. But most of the narrative, and this is something that FDR and the press seemed to sell to the public, was that he was on his way to defeating his disability through vigorous swims and forcing himself to walk with braces. Huh. Also, that whole gentleman's agreement thing, he'd often send his secret servicemen after anyone taking a photo of him to basically break their cameras. <laughs> he was a little more thuggish about protecting his image than people think. Uh, I'd say. Well, there's no denying he was superstitious, though. So back to our monument. Do you think we should add Reagan to the list of presidents who had unusual beliefs? You mean because of his uh, astrologer? Well, exactly. So it's fair to say that Ronald and Nancy were pretty superstitious to begin with. But after the attempted assassination on Reagan when he was shot back in 1981, that superstition got cranked up a few notches for Nancy. The astrologer Joan Quigley entered the picture and began advising Nancy on how they could avoid tragedy. And after Quigley looked at the president's star charts, they developed his entire schedule around them. Huh. Everything he did was affected by his charts, including the takeoff and landing times of Air Force One. <laughs> Let me repeat that. In the 1980s, an astrologer was helping to determine the takeoff and landing times of Air Force One. <laughs> That's so crazy. I wonder if this even affected the timing of their movie watching. I'd forgotten until reading O'Brien's book that Nancy had also been an actor and that the two of them found time almost every day to watch movies. <laughs> and actually, there's this great story where Reagan's chief of staff, Jim Baker, questioned the president on why he hadn't opened a briefing that he dropped off the night before. And Reagan just calmly explained, well, Jim, the sound of music was on last night. I really like your Reagan impression. It's, <laughs> it's impressive. And, and the sound of music is a great movie, uh -huh. so I kind of get it. All right, so here's another one. You were just telling me the other day about Jimmy Carter and the old UFO sighting, so we should probably add that to the list. Definitely. So this happened before his time as president. This was back in 1969 at a Lions Club meeting in Georgia. He and some friends reported an object as bright as the moon to the International UFO Bureau. And to this day, Carter is the only president to have reported seeing a UFO. And he stood by his account saying, it was the darnest thing I've ever seen. All right, so if we go with this theme, we have FDR for his superstition. Reagan for his astrologer, Carter for his UFO sighting, 
and maybe one more. So while we think on that, what do you say we play a game? Sounds great. So our guest today is the author of one of our favorite books about the history of the presidency. It's called Secret Lives of the U.S. Presidents, and it's recently been updated and re-released with new information on our most recent presidents. Cormac O'Brien, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Thanks for having me. So, so Cormac, have you always been a huge history buff? Yes. Um, <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that I was going to be uh, into history from a, a pretty early age. Cormac, today's episode is about some of the more bizarre behaviors of our past presidents. And uh, when you were doing your research for this book, I was wondering if you were surprised just how weird some presidents could be. Well, yes and no. You're right. So many of them are uh, have been really strange. But on the other hand, I've often wondered why someone would want to be president in mm-hmm. the first place, yeah. right. uh, given how, uh, you know, the rigors of the office, the demands of the office. And it seems like a losing proposition. Uh, you know, no, no matter what you achieve, people are going to remember you for your faults, for your flaws, for your failures, as well as whatever you achieve. And it almost seems impossible, especially uh, in modern times when you're under such intense scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So, yes, on the one hand, um, a lot of these guys have been strange or <laughs> unusual, quirky, bizarre. But on the other hand, should we be surprised <laughs> because right. they're drawn to the office in the first place? I, I guess uh, to that end, I mean, is there anyone that you feel gets a particularly bad rap and deserves a little more sympathy? Um, that's a good question. I think a great example of what we're talking about is Harry Truman. Because Truman, when he left office, had the lowest approval rating in modern times. Um, no, uh, up until that time, no one had ever had such low approval ratings. And hmm. now he's a hero. And it took decades for his reputation uh, historically to bounce back, which is interesting. Right. And, and historians and journalists started looking, you know, once they had that, uh, you know, enough years away from his actual administration, they were able to look with a clearer eye at what he had achieved. And now he's, he's regarded as, a, a, you know, pretty much a total success. And mm-hmm. I've often looked at that as really instructive. We're, you know, when you're living in the times, it's very different from when you're looking back at it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I mean, I've often thought that the worst president we ever had was Andrew Johnson. Uh, mainly because he was an unabashed bigot at a time when we were trying to reconstruct the South. Uh, African-Americans needed someone on their side in the White House, and that was not Andrew Johnson. Right. Um, And uh, he was impeached. He was not convicted. But there's a man whose reputation has never bounced back. Right, right. Uh, Perhaps justifiably. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about, uh, do you have a, a favorite president to read or write about? It doesn't matter whether they were a good president or an effective president, but do, any, any favorites? Yeah, Theodore Roosevelt uh, is, it, it, talk about quirky. Right. Uh, this, was, this, was a, this, this is an extraordinary man by any measure. Uh, probably the, uh, the first polymath to be in the White House since Jefferson. I mean, he did everything. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a scientist, a naturalist, a hunter. He was a scholar. Uh, his you know his work on the naval aspect 
of the War of 1812 is still standard reading for that war. Right. I mean, he just he just dove into that as a, as a young scholar, and uh, he was a cowboy. He was, mm-hmm. and he would go on what he called his point to point sojourns, where he would pick a point in the wilderness and take his guests on a hike to that point, and they would have to overcome whatever obstacles they came across. <laughs> No matter how arduous that would be, what do you say? You know, he was he was kind of like a, a larger than life personality. Yeah, yeah. And your 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 entry or your chapter on uh, on Teddy Roosevelt and in, in your book was was terrific. Well, thank you. All right. So, uh, speaking of of leaders, we're going to play a uh, play a, a quiz with you today, Cormac. What are we playing today, Mango? We're playing a game called Not My President because uh, Cormac knows way too much about U.S. presidents. We thought it'd be fun to test him on other world leaders. That's right. So this this game is pretty easy. All you have to do is determine who <laughs> or where this leader is from based on the nickname in question. And I have a feeling you're going to do pretty well at it. So are you ready to play? I'm, I'm ready. As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Here we go. <laughs> question number one. Although nicknames for this world leader include Botox and the Pale Moth for his smooth skin... George W. Bush just called him Pooty Poot. Vladimir Putin? You got it. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> he paused for a second. He's like, wait a minute. Is it actually this easy? <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. Question number two. This prime minister has the nickname of a lesser Margaret Thatcher, the Steel Lady. Uh, Theresa May? That's right. Mm-hmm. Question number three. This chancellor was originally called Mother as an insult, but she and her followers have embraced the term. Mm-hmm. That's right. Good job. All right. Question number four. In China, this Canadian dreamboat is called Little Potato, which sounds like his last name in Mandarin. <laughs> uh, uh, Trudeau? That's right. That's right. All right. Two left. I didn't know that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was fun. All right. Question number five. This one's a toughie. President Muhammad Bahari of this large African nation has the nickname Baba Go Slow for his reluctance to appoint a cabinet. Though, as The Atlantic points out, he was quick to name himself oil minister. Can you name the country? Oh, bollocks. <laughs> that is a tough one. Um, Nigeria. That's right. Absolutely right. All right. Last question here. He's, he's five for five so far, yeah, right? Okay. Absolutely. Let's see if we can get 100%. Officially, he's the supreme leader of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. But in neighboring countries, he's simply known as King Fatty Third. Kim Jong-un? Absolutely That's right. right. Six for six. Well done. All right. So what has Cormac won today, Mango? Well, uh, Cormac's astounding job at, at our quiz entitles him to our grand prize, which is our hard-earned admiration. Cormac, thanks so much for joining us on Part-Time Genius. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing Watson X Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. 
because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection. In on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. As you know, we're talking about this mountainside where we're going to develop a competitor to Mount Rushmore. But it's going to have a much weirder and more specific theme. We're probably going to need to find some investors for this. Yep. But it seems like such a no-brainer that I'm sure that won't be a problem. I agree. Anyway, give me another idea for our Weird President's Mountainside. Well, what if we had one for weird presidential records? People do love records. So what do you have in mind? All right. So John Tyler had 15 kids, which is a record among presidents. So <laughs> that, that one seems obvious. But it's not even the most impressive thing about Tyler's offspring. No, it's not. I assume you're talking about the fact that two of John Tyler's grandsons are still alive. Uh (laughs) One of Tyler's sons had two sons of his own very late in life. And so Tyler was around when George Washington was in office, and yet he still has two living grandsons. How crazy is that? It feels unbelievable. So what other records should we consider? How about the fewest votes for someone who has served as vice president and president? And that would be zero votes. <laughs> That's Gerald Ford, because he became president in 1974 after Nixon resigned. And before that, he'd only been vice president for eight months, a role that he stepped into when Spiro Agnew resigned. It is pretty crazy to imagine serving in both of those roles without ever having received a single vote for the position. Now, Ford will also add some athleticism to our mountain since he was a linebacker at Michigan in college. Actually, did you know that he started on the team that won two national titles and he was a model? (laughs) Yeah, it's so bizarre that for all his grace and athleticism, he's mostly known as a klutz after his fall on the stairs of Air Force One. Of course, uh, Chevy Chase helped to cement that reputation. I'd say so. But yeah, I think Gerald Ford's record earns him a spot on the mountain. And I've got another one. How about the least married president, James Buchanan? (laughs) Yep, he's still the only president never to have married, but he was a partier. Some have described his time in office as one long party. Even on Sundays when he was taking his carriage ride to church, Buchanan would have them stop at the local distillery to pick up a 10-gallon cask. (laughs) Nice. All right, so that's Tyler for having the most children, Ford for fewest votes for someone who served as VP and president with zero, (laughs) and Buchanan for least married. 
I think we need one more really dumb one. What do you got? Oh, I've got one. Uh, how about most brothers named Ike? What? Dwight Eisenhower, also known as Ike, didn't exactly have a unique nickname, at least within his own family. It turns out all six of the Eisenhower brothers were nicknamed Ike at some point. No way. I guess they liked Ike. So. But I like this group for the possible mountain wall, so let's keep it in the mix. All right, what's next? I've been thinking about one that could be weird but fun, and that's a collection of presidents tied to amusing writing. All right, so where are you going with this one? Well, it's such a fun way to get a better sense of the real personalities of past presidents. Like, take Nixon, for example. He had a reputation for being aloof, even with his wife, Pat, and their daughters. In fact, do you know how he communicated with them much of the time? How's that? Through memos. And not only that, he often signed them the president. Wow. Wow. How warm and fuzzy. I still think one of my favorite stories about Nixon was about how he asked his future wife, Pat, to marry him on one of their first dates. And when she said no, you know what he did? What's that? He agreed to drive her around on dates with other guys <laughs> for two years. <laughs> that's so bizarre. I guess that's as close as Nixon got to romantic. Well, sticking with the romance theme and another president's writings, it's nice to see how sweet Woodrow Wilson was on his wife. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, really? Yeah, there are literally thousands of letters Wilson wrote to his wife. We think of Wilson as this somewhat stoic and often reserved guy, but these love letters drip with passion and desire. I do know that Wilson is connected with one of the more embarrassing typos related to the president's activities. Oh, the Washington Post one? Yep. So not long after Wilson's first wife, Ellen, passed away, he met Edith Bowling Galt, and the two of them began spending more time together and went out on a date to the theater. The Washington Post reported on this date and intended to say that Wilson was entertaining Miss Galt, but instead just said, the president spent most of his time entering Miss Galt. <laughs> wow. That would be a pretty bold thing to do right there in the middle of the theater. Yeah. <laughs> what a silly typo. But I think he earns a spot on our mountain if we decide to go with this theme. You know who is not a romantic in his writing? James K. Polk. He was maybe the workaholiest president of all time. Really? So he worked these crazy hours and thought that public servants really shouldn't be wasting time with any leisure activities. He and his wife, Sarah, they didn't vacation. They even stayed at the executive mansion throughout the summer. Over his first four years in office, Polk was only away from home for a total of six weeks. That's insane. But back to the writing part. As O'Brien points out in The Secrets of the U.S. Presidents, Polk viewed handshaking as a labor to be endured. <laughs> and he once wrote a lengthy essay in his diary that relegated the act to an academic subject. He made a diary entry about this, and here's part of it. All right, let me look at this. It says... If a man surrendered his arm to be shaken by some horizontally, <laughs> by others perpendicularly, and by others again with a strong grip, he could not fail to suffer severely from it. But that if he would shake and not be shaken, grip and not be gripped, taking care always <laughs> to squeeze the hand of his adversary as hard as he squeezed his, that he suffered no inconvenience from it. What? I was just about to say what? <laughs> I know. What? It's crazy. So I'd say we're pretty close to having a good collection, but I have one more to add to this, and that's William Henry Harrison. This is the same guy who had the shortest term in office, and he also happened to have the longest inaugural speech. Did he really? Yeah, and it didn't help that it was crazy cold and windy that day. Harrison refused to wear a coat or gloves for the speech, and he started feeling ill the next day. And a month later, he was dead. So in other words, he delivered about three minutes of speech for every day he spent in office? Exactly. I mean, that seems a little excessive. Well, it did earn him consideration for our mountainside, so... <laughs> 
If we go with this theme, we've got Nixon for his ridiculously impersonal communication with his family. We've mm-hmm. got Wilson for love letters, but also the unfortunate typo describing his date. <laughs> James K. Polk for his weird diary entry. And William Henry Harrison for his ridiculously long inaugural address. I like it. I bet the tourists would just come from all over for this. Me too. And while we're daydreaming about all that cash money we're going to make, let's take a quick break for this quiz. Now, Mango, this is typically the part of the show where I would ask you who we have on the line, but today is a little bit different. With our theme being presidents, we thought it would be fun to have a couple of people from the office here at How Stuff Works because we've got some great leaders here. So who do we have playing with us today? So we've got Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class, the incredible podcast, and she was president of her French club. Wow, president of the French club. Now, Tracy, are you still fluent in French? I wasn't even fluent in French at that time. <laughs> and yet you were the president. So was it was it a bitter battle to become president of the French club? No, I uh, I was just better at French than some other people. But as a general rule, none of us were actually any good at it at all. <laughs> a ringing endorsement. All right. Well, welcome to Part-Time Genius. And we've also got Sherry Larson online from marketing. And she was president of her sixth grade class. And most impressively, it turns out she wasn't even running for the office. I was as surprised as anybody when they told me. <laughs> That I was the president. So how were you elected then? Um, it was 100% a write-in vote. Okay. But there were people who wanted to be president. Right. Um, I think that they, they chose me because I was always, uh, the narrator of the school plays and mm-hmm. I had been all through elementary school and I think they just saw me as a figure of authority. Wow. I didn't want this job, however. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say it is, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible to have this much power in one room. So, uh, <laughs> so let's get started. Mango, what are we playing today? This is a game called Shorter or Taller Than Abraham Lincoln in a Top Hat. All right. I know you guys have played this hundreds of times, I'm sure, but I'll go ahead oh, and yeah. explain. <laughs> yes. Very familiar. It's a pretty simple quiz. We all know Abe Lincoln was a tall president, six foot four to be exact. And he was a foot taller in his top hat, making him seven foot four. So all you have to do is to tell us whether each of these clues that we give you or each of these items that we give you uh, is shorter or taller than Abraham Lincoln. You got it? Yep. All right. So we'll go back and forth. I promise it'll be easy. Oh, and Mango, what are they playing for today? As always, our contestants play for a chance to win a handwritten note from us to their mom or their boss singing their praises. Okay. So a big prize on the line. Hope you guys are ready. So let's get started. We're going to start with you, Tracy. Question number one would be Andre the Giant in a top hat. Was he shorter or taller than Abraham Lincoln while wearing a top hat? I think taller. Yeah, that's right. Andre was billed at seven four without a top hat, so he'd be a whopping eight foot four wearing one. <laughs> now, is there is there any evidence of him having worn a top hat? No. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. So you're one for one. Let's go to you, Sherry. Here we go. Question number two: A baby elephant, shorter or taller than Abraham Lincoln in a top hat? A newborn baby elephant. I'm going to say shorter if it's a newborn baby elephant. Mm-hmm, that's correct. Yeah, uh, a baby elephant starts out at an embarrassing three feet tall. Well done. We're tied at one. Okay, next one. Coming back to you, Tracy. Big Bird, shorter or taller than Abraham Lincoln in the top hat? Oh, that's tough. I I feel like Big Bird is right around that seven foot line. So I'm going to go taller. 
Yeah, that's right. Big Bird is taller. He is, he towers over the president at eight foot two. Wow. Taller than I realized. Okay. All right. So you're two for two. I underestimated the height of Big Bird. (laughs) Yes, you did. Yes, you did. All right. Question number four, coming back to you, Sherry. George Washington's nose on Mount Rushmore, shorter or taller than Abraham Lincoln in a top hat? I'm going to say taller. That's right. This is so close. Washington's nose is approximately 20 feet tall, and it's about a foot longer than all the other president's noses. Whoa. Wow. Was it that much longer in real life? (laughs) I don't know. Not a foot, but I mean. (laughs) (laughs) We may have to look into that. All right. Question number five, coming back to you, Tracy. Alvin and the Chipmunks stacked on top of one another according to their original 1980s cartoon Heights, shorter or taller? Oh, my goodness. Did they have a trench coat on? That would affect... (laughs) It wouldn't. Uh, Shorter. They're actually taller. Simon is 3'5", Alvin is 3 feet, and Theodore is 2 foot 9. All right, so together that would be what? So sad. 9 foot 2, right? Yeah. I love that there's actually a recording of how tall each one of them are (laughs) to, to the inch. So, okay, that opens the door up for you here, Sherry. Okay, this is your last question. Uh, you'll just need to get this one right to win. And your clue is the first official White House Christmas tree, shorter or taller than Abraham Lincoln in a top hat? Oh, goodness. Uh, I'm gonna say shorter. I'm gonna think that they weren't as ostentatious back then. Mm, that's what no. I would have thought. But this was Calvin Coolidge's tree, is yeah, that right? and oh. they were very ostentatious. Oh. <laughs> it was uh, somewhere between 35 and 48 oh feet tall. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Okay. I would have never okay. guessed. That's okay. You guys both did great. <laughs> Two out of three, which means they've both won. So what have they won, Mango? Well, in addition to Pony expressing their moms or bosses a handwritten note, we'll also be sending them the cheapest Richard Nixon Spiro Agnew political campaign button we could find on eBay. And you'll be able to wear those around town <laughs> with pride. So. All right. Congratulations, guys. And thanks so much for playing with us on Part-Time Genius. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you, Thank guys. you. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. 
When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. I think we've had some brilliant ideas as to how to transform the mountainside we're considering buying into a competitor to Mount Rushmore. I mean, a really weird competitor. We talked about presidents who had really strange health remedy beliefs, presidents who believed in really weird things, record-breaking presidents, and presidents who wrote some really bizarre things. Clearly all brilliant ideas, but let's rapid-fire a few more. What do you think? All right, how about presidents with the weirdest pets? You've got Calvin Coolidge, you know, old Vaseline head who owned a raccoon. One you'd sometimes see him walking around in the White House with a leash. You've got Thomas Jefferson's Mockingbird, who reportedly learned to take food from his mouth. Huh. You've got Herbert Hoover, whose son had not one, but two pet alligators that were allowed to roam the White House. <laughs> and maybe the strangest, and these weren't exactly pets, but I still think we should count them. You have Andrew Johnson, who was such an animal lover, he even tried to leave water and flour out for the rats that invested oh. the White House. It's, it's that weird. Oh, that's a good list. By the way, while the rats certainly had a good run while Johnson was in office, that didn't last long. By the time Benjamin Harrison was in office, he not only sent exterminators after them, but he also had ferrets brought in to run the White House and try to catch any rats they could find. Oh, that's good. Well, what if it was just a mountainside known as the presidential rat battle? <laughs> It'd just be Andrew Johnson on the pro-rat side and then Benjamin Harrison on the anti-rat side. I like it. That's brilliant. Also, I find it hard to talk about presidential pets without mentioning Teddy Roosevelt's guinea pigs, Fighting Bob Evans, and Father O'Grady. <laughs> <laughs> and also his family snake, Emily Spinach. Such good names. <laughs> okay, I was going to suggest a group of presidents who love to sleep. I mean, it gives us a chance to once again mention old Vaseline head Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> Not only did he make sure to be in bed by 10 every night, and often he didn't get up until 8, but he also took naps pretty much every single day. We're talking two to four hour naps. Oh, my God. The guy loved to sleep. We'd also then add Taft, who dozed frequently, and Chester A. Arthur and his lethargy, which it turned out was the result of an illness. But I decided this list wasn't quite good enough, and maybe we should just dedicate the mountainside to Millard Fillmore. <laughs> so just Millard Fillmore? Just Millard Fillmore. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> Stay with me here. There's actually this great story about Fillmore, who's really pretty much not remembered for anything. Right. In most rankings of presidents, he's almost always near the bottom. Right. But there happens to be one really cool story about him that would resonate with our listeners. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Fillmore loved books. The legend is his father only owned three, a Bible, an almanac, and a hymnal. And Fillmore always wanted to have more. In fact, he and his wife actually established the first permanent library at the White House. But here's the story. 
On Christmas Eve morning back in 1851, the Library of Congress caught fire. The fire teams rushed to the scene. But do you know who jumped on one of those horse-drawn fire engines so that he could help fight the fire? Millard Fillmore. And while tens of thousands of books were destroyed, you know who rebuilt the library? Millard Fillmore. Wow, I gotta hand it to you, Mango. That's a great story. But I'm not sure if we should dedicate a whole mountain to him. Especially since if this is going to go to only one person, it's probably going to be Martin Van Beavers. But <laughs> what do you say we give Millard Fillmore the part-time genius award today? I think that's an excellent idea. And as for deciding what to do with this mountain, I feel like we need help from our listeners. Listeners, if you have ideas on what strange and very specific themes should be celebrated on this mountaintop, please let us know. You can email us at parttimegenius at howstuffworks.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook. We can't wait to hear what you guys come up with. But while we're waiting for those comments to pour in, what do you say we kill some time with a part-time genius fact off? That's the part of the show where we get to share some of the most interesting facts we learned in our research that we didn't use today. So this one's particularly fascinating to me because I don't love public speaking. I think of Thomas Jefferson as this super eloquent president, mostly because we all know his writing. But the truth is, he's only known to have delivered two speeches during his presidency, his two inaugural addresses. Huh. And that's because he suffered from severe stage fright. Isn't that nuts? That is crazy. All right, did you know Rutherford B. Hayes was the only president to suffer an injury in the Civil War? He had four horses. That's right. Four horses shot down <laughs> under him. <laughs> that's horrible. Maybe we should just dedicate our monument to those four horses. Good idea. <laughs> Speaking of rough rides... Teddy Roosevelt had one of the strangest breakfast routines of any president. He liked to mix coffee and a dozen eggs in a mug and then drink it down. A dozen eggs! Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> also, what's with you in these Teddy Roosevelt facts? I'm obsessed. I mean, any president who turns the Oval Office into a dojo but also talks in a super high-pitched voice is my kind of president. Well, here's one about Chester A. Arthur. While he sometimes went by Chet, the public referred to him often as Elegant Arthur or Prince Arthur or the Dude President, <laughs> all because of his fashion sense. The man owned over 80 pairs of pants. <laughs> 80 pants? What do you do with 80 pants? Uh, I don't know. Wear them around. <laughs> so Andrew Jackson's parrot had to be removed from his funeral for swearing too much. Why was Andrew Jackson's parrot at the funeral? <laughs> to pay respects, I guess. Okay. I don't know. But the minister who officiated was offended. He wrote people were horrified and awed at the bird's lack of reverence. <laughs> you know who George H.W. Bush briefly considered naming his running mate? Clint Eastwood. You know who's in the Wrestling Hall of Fame? Abe Lincoln. Richard Nixon was an incredible poker player and used his winnings to finance his first political run. Warren Harding was actually the opposite of that. He once lost priceless White House China, betting it in a game. <laughs> Bill Clinton's cat Socks almost had his own Nintendo game. It was called Socks the Cat Rocks the Hill. Why didn't that come out? It's so I good. Know. That was a great idea. I feel like someone should start a Kickstarter. <laughs> um, okay, you're going to love this one. Thomas Jefferson invented the swivel chair. Wait. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, if this stupid microphone would detach from this big grip, I would totally drop a mic right now. Yeah, and you would deserve it. All right. Well, I'm going to feel a little more patriotic every time I sit in a swivel chair from now on, and I'm going to give you this episode's <laughs> fact off. Nice. So for all you geniuses out there, don't forget to email us your ideas for what to do with our presidential mountaintop. Just drop us a line at parttimegenius at howstuffworks.com. And that's it for today's episode of Part-Time Genius. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Will, did you know that James Polk never got baptized as a baby because his dad got in a fight with the minister mid-ceremony?
Thanks again for listening to Part-Time Genius. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And because we're a brand new show, if you're feeling extra generous, we'd love it if you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Part-Time Genius is produced by some of our favorite geniuses. It's edited by Tristan McNeil, theme song and audio mixing by Noel Brown. Our executive producer is Jerry Rowland. Our research team is Gabe Luzier, Lucas Adams, Autumn Whitefield-Madrano, Austin Thompson, and Meg Robbins. Jason Hoke is our chief cheerleader. question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top ten for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.